Right, hello, welcome. This is our first of our podcasts for this module, and I'm really pleased that we've got Dr. Andy Daly-Smith with us today. Now, Andy was um, a former senior lecturer at Leeds Beckett, but now he's gone to much bigger and much more exciting ventures. So he's now a reader of Healthy Childhoods at Bradford University, and he's also um, the research director at Born in Bradford for the Wilson Centre Applied Health Research on one of the very big projects they've got with Sport England on Join Us Move Play programme. So for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to grill Andy. Some of you may know him, level six students, you may know him, some of you may not. I'm going to grill him on a little bit about his background, but also about lots and lots of examples that he's had about how he's implemented, but also evaluated a lot of children and schools physical activity programs. So welcome, Andy. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me. You're welcome. So for the first thing, Andy, I just want to ask, could you give us just a little bit of background about you? So what is your background? I've just I've just given you a very formal introduction as a reader in Healthy Childhoods, but a lot of these students, level six students, probably won't know a little bit about what you do. So could you just give us a bit of a very brief background about some of the things that you do and your passion? I think I'll start with my passion, which is to say I'm, I'm driven by uh, helping to create um, whole school approaches for because I believe that education and schools in particular are places where children should be able to impact lifestyles. And, and we know from all the data that's out there that actually the school day is reasonably sedentary, mainly because of lessons. So, um, just to summarise my journey very quickly, it began with uh, looking at uh, randomised control trials within a school environment. So. Fundamentally, to, to get any sort of physical activity into schools, we need to show educational benefits. So we started to look at what we call acute studies, where we looked at one bout of physical activity, and in, in the main instance, we looked at something called physically active learning, where we combined movement with educational lessons and looked at the impact on educational outcomes. Um, and while we were, we were seeing sort of positive um, signs coming back from that, that even one session of being physically active was uh, improving people's uh, people's maths performance. And when we looked at the wider literature through a systematic review, we were seeing that uh, something called time on task, which is basically the pupils more focused on the work after activity, there's sort of really positive outcomes there. But what was really interesting, when we were speaking to schools, um, and we had all this sort of wealth of information, um, we're finding that there were sort of real barriers in place for schools to actually take these sort of ideas on and to implement them. So very quickly it moved from sort of looking at what I would call sort of teacher level interventions or pupil level interventions up to the need to address the entire school system. And, and this was probably cemented by um, a meta-analysis that was done by the team at Cambridge and led by some called Rebecca Love that showed of all the, the school-based interventions that have been done on whole school approaches to physical activity, that as a whole they were actually ineffective, that there was no difference in physical activity compared to control groups. So it got us thinking and, and it probably moved me to my area of strength, which is I've always seen myself as a great person that sort of glues people together. There was always somebody who was very good at pulling different groups of friends to the party who actually probably became better friends with each other than they did with me. And I think it's, I've kind of applied that for my work now. So the, the latest bit of work that I did was looking at what we call the Creating Active Schools Framework, which is the first UK-based 
whole school physical activity framework and the first framework in the world that was co-developed from conception by multiple stakeholders who kind of understand the school system. So the first time, for the first time now, we understand the factors in school-based physical activity. Um, and also, we, we understand there's a need to actually intervene at a higher level within the system. So if we think, you know, the pupil, the teacher, moving into the senior leadership team, quite often school-based physical activity interventions don't work at that senior leadership team level and don't address the mission and the vision and the school policies, which then drive the school work. So in effect, putting a, an, an intervention in place in a classroom is a bit like putting an elastoplast on a leaky bucket. Eventually, that elastoplast falls off because it's not sustainable. So that's kind of where I'm, where I'm working at the moment and where my real interest lies. Brilliant, thank you. Well, you kind of answer in the first part of the question. So a lot of this module is about the implementation and these students have got to design the implementation of their intervention, but also they've got to think about their evaluation and impact. And you've talked to there about stakeholders, which is really important and something that our students, I think, kind of forget about when we're looking at designing interventions. So I just wonder, because you've, you've actually worked on so many interventions, you've designed so many, and it, like you say, internationally as well now. So could you give an example of maybe one of the school-based interventions that you've designed and how hard do you think it was to implement and why? So a good example was some work we did in the Rector and Cleveland area where we were asked to come in and evaluate a, um, a pedometer intervention that had been designed by the local authority. And the, while it had the permission of the senior leadership team, it was predominantly focused on enhancing the knowledge and capability of the teachers to support the teachers to deliver a physically active learning intervention using pedometers. So it was a kind of um, co-intervention with uh, technology and uh, upskilling teachers. So the um, the training was um, was two two workshops with uh, the teachers and also a modelled lesson. So somebody, uh, an expert practitioner came in, delivered a physically active learning lesson with the, the teacher's pupils so the teacher could see how it, would, how it was done. And then from that point forward, the teacher embraced it. Um, and what, what we saw was, while there were some positive effects, mainly reducing sedentary time, the, the challenge was not necessarily the... Um, was enhancing the teacher's capability because actually it, when, when we interviewed the teachers afterwards, it was clear that their capability had enhanced. What, what were the kind of factors that prevented the program from being effective and kind of impact, more impactful and, and, and hence sustainable was the wider factors within the school that were impacting on the ability of that teacher to deliver. So it could be something like the physical environment. So that might be the quality of the environment that the teachers have to deliver in, which could be, you know, their classroom. Is it that they were allowed to move half of the desks and chairs? Um, would, their, would their school system allow them to do that? Did they have suitable outdoor spaces where they could deliver physically active learning? Did they have access to the school hall on a regular basis to deliver physically active learning lessons? Um, or was it the social environment? So. If they were out in the playground delivering a, a numeracy lesson, for example, in an active way, what were the rest of the teachers saying about that? Were they positive and supportive or were they negative? Um, and, you know, making bad comments about it, which, 
you know, if you're an individual, if someone say, somebody is making bad comments about what you do, eventually you're probably going to stop that behaviour. Um, but then fundamentally, it's the level above that as well. So it's what do the senior uh, leaders within the school do? Do they create a supportive cultural environment? Do they align all of the resources to support what you're trying to do and trying to achieve? So for me, that they were kind of the main challenges and ultimately what led to the Creating Active Schools framework um, from that one piece of work, but also sort of multiple other pieces of work as well. Thank you. That's given them quite a few clues, actually, because I think a lot of the times when we think about implementation and particularly for our level six students, we think about how we're going to deliver it and implement it. And right. OK, so you're going to do it on a Monday to Friday and you can deliver it in these classes. And what you're talking about is, is a much more complicated consideration about actually the practicalities that impact and how can they be overcome when we're implementing our plan for our intervention to ensure that there's buy in from senior managers which is your deputies and which is your head teachers but also about the social environment as well of other teachers buy-in and how do we build that so there's lots of nuances that I suppose without listening to what you said we might overlook because you know you've taught the level sixes for many years and until you're actually in the thick of it you probably don't see those things going on but thank you um, next question, believe it or not, we're nearly 10 minutes. So this is this is flown by. Um, the next question is our favourite one. So me and you absolutely adore evaluating interventions and it's probably our favourite thing to do. Um, I just think, I mean, you've, you've done so many evaluations over the years and some huge ones. Um, when you're evaluating, I think a question I'm probably going to ask you is, what do you think is the most important to consider when you're starting your evaluation plan for an intervention? I think the first thing is to plan your intervention. Um, and I think the intervention needs to drive the evaluation, not the evaluation drive the intervention. Yeah. And by that, what I mean is typically within within the physical activity world, the randomised trial has been seen as the gold standard. Um, and that's come from the, sort of the medical research area. And within medical research, things can be tightly controlled. You, know, you can really control the quantity um, of drug that somebody is given and how frequently they're given that quantity. With, within the real world, um, things are a lot less controllable. So while RCTs have been the go-to method to establish um, if there's an effect of a programme, what we've seen fundamentally is you can't take an intervention that works with one school and then place that same intervention in another school because the, the factors within that school are extremely different. So if you think about, and I know I've kind of gone backwards to implementation here, but I think it's really important to nail this down so we then understand the evaluation approach. You know, if you think, you know, the teachers are different, the, the physical spaces are different. So we, we can't take something that's nice and neatly packaged and expect it to work in, uh, in lots of different schools. So for me, it's, you need to design the intervention first. Once you've designed the intervention and you know what the key characteristics of that intervention are, that is fundamentally what you should be then designing your evaluation around. I, I would say... Uh, I would say we need to move past effectiveness at the moment. I think it's far too early to do that. And quite often we jump from pilot studies, which are one or two schools, into large trials. And we, you know, we've got this reproduced issue, which is pilot studies work because you've got heavy resource going to make those programs work that then can't be scaled up. So for me, I think the first thing is know what your intervention is, 
and what your levers are in your intervention that are going to cause change and therefore lead to success. And then you need to design your evaluation around measuring what those levers are. A common mistake that we make within school-based interventions is that we, for example, in a physically active learning intervention, quite often we intervene at the teacher level. So we're trying to change ultimately teachers' behaviour to deliver in a more active way. But the mistake that we make is we jump straight to measuring this at the pupil level to see if that has an impact on physical activity outcomes. And, and what the literature is showing is now is these things can take two to five years to embed in an impactful and sustainable way. So if you're doing a, an evaluation six months down the line, you're very unlikely to see a change in physical activity levels of pupils. But what you might see is a change in teacher behaviour. So know who it is that you're aiming the intervention at. And my, my first recommendation would be that you need to design your, inter, your evaluation to capture the impact at that particular level. So don't design for teachers and measure at pupils. Design for teachers and measure at teachers. Um, and then I, I think a more sort of process evaluation is understanding how things are working, what are the active ingredients that are working within, the, within those interventions, so that we can find out what the, um, uh, Professor McKenna would always talk about, fuel and friction. So what's making the intervention go and what's slowing the intervention down or breaking it, which is obviously the friction. And I think, for me, that's where we're at with this literature now. We shouldn't be jumping to effectiveness. We should be jumping into understanding how it works, what are the active components. And then once we know that and we've established those and we can see that the interventions are starting to work in schools, then we start to move to measure effectiveness. So it's, it's quite, I would say, we're probably in quite a complex round of evaluation at the moment. Um, because we've moved beyond the simplicity, and I use that bit tongue-in-cheek of randomised control trials, into much more complex evaluation approaches to understand and track changes in behaviour. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You've given them some nice clues as to, because hopefully within this module, the expectation will be this process evaluation, which they've probably never heard of yet, um, and they will do across this module. So almost sitting alongside is this process evaluation. And you've talked about it there where it's about the changing and the actual monitoring and, and kind of keeping a good eye on how things are going and, and not just leaving an intervention to run its course and then at the end of it test effectiveness and go, actually it didn't work and it was a load of rubbish. Um, so I think that's really, really important. So just leaving, because we're nearly up to 15 minutes. So the the last question I've got for you is, and this is not necessarily to help the students, this is just from perspective of you and what your passion is. So what do you think is the most important thing to create impact within schools? So what's your what's the driver? What's the impact? What would you say from an from a intervention? The most important thing, well, I would say, what do I base my work on? Yes. And my, my work on is, is based on bringing all the relevant stakeholders together to, to collaborate on whatever project it is that you're trying to um, say implement with schools. So quite if we look back even five years, interventions tend to be implemented on schools. Yeah. And I think we now need to move to this um, model where we co-design. So it's Number one is understanding who are the key stakeholders that need to be involved in that co-design. Number two is making sure you've got a robust co-design process. And number three is when you're going through the co-design process, understanding that everybody has an equal voice. 
um, so that you know you might have a researcher who's 20 years into their journey who will be held in high regard, but fundamentally they should have no more powerful voice than a, a teacher who has been in post four years because actually what you, what you're getting is different pieces of the jigsaw. You're getting the view from different angles, which will help you to understand um, the problem in a, in a more complex way um, and, a, and a more complete way as well. So I think for me that that are the most important things is we, we, we before you know more than ever now we need to be working through co-development methodologies. Thank you. Well, thank you. That's a brilliant ending to the first podcast. So thank you for your time, Andy. I know you're super busy and um, we do miss you. So unfortunately, you know, you're not at Leeds Beckett anymore, but you still are with us with lots of research and lots of projects. Um, so, yes, thanks for your insights. And we will have another podcast next week, hopefully on men's health. 